Welcome to Brisbane West Vineyards Podcast. It's great to have you with us. We're a community of people sharing God's love, power, and life that's revealed in Jesus. We gather Sundays, 5pm, at Good News Lutheran School in Middle Park. We exist simply for the King and His Kingdom, that His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, if you've got your Bible, quickly open it up. We're going to go to Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, this is just a little conversation we've been having at at, at our local church at the start of another year. And as you're getting Luke chapter 6 ready, and we're going to pick up in verse 46, if we go to that first slide, thanks, Dan. One of the things that we've been doing at at PRV every Sunday morning is we've just been praying this prayer together. um, And it's a prayer that I pray every morning, and it's out of the... um, the devotional app that I do online, Lectio 365. Some of you may be familiar with that, but we just pray this together every Sunday morning at PRV at the moment. And the way we do that is we all stand up together and we pray it out loud together. So can we all just stand up together? And the the words are on the screen there, and uh, we're going to pray this out, out loud together. So let's pray together. Jesus, in this new season, I invite you to shape my life and set the direction of my year. I listen to your word, I long to imitate your works, and I welcome your spirit as I fix my eyes on you. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Take a seat. In um, <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nicole and I, we went down to the local Optus store to, um, to get some stuff sorted out with our mobile phone accounts. There was a few things that need to get sorted out. And so we're down there doing that. And in there, I, um, I saw this at the back of the Optus store. They've got this great sort of photo of um, Ash Barty. So I took a quick photo of it. And there's a, isn't that a fantastic photo of when she's like a little six-year-old kid probably in her first sort of season of playing tennis? And there she is. Um, and, and that's when she won the Australian Open 12 months ago as, as the uh, world number one women's uh, tennis player. And then they've got this fantastic little um, slogan that was across the front of the TVs there at the back of the shop. And so I was like, and as I looked at that, I was just struck by it. And, it, and it's just that little saying, it, it starts with yes. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit simply said to me, Kirk, as you start this year, do you still give your yes to the Lord? And I was just, I was like, whoa. It was, it was like I just came to sort out my phone bill, you know. <laughs> but, but all of a sudden I found myself in an encounter with the Lord asking me just very honestly, as another year begins, at the start of another sense of adventure with God, Will I give him my yes? Now, it's interesting, though, because you look at the little picture there on the screen of Ash Barty, and you go, there she is as a little girl, and obviously somewhere in her heart she had this sense of vision that I could play tennis. And there she is. So she gave herself to that idea of I could play tennis and enjoy tennis. And she did. It started with a yes I could do that. But then she, there's the other 
picture there as a 27-year-old, I think she was, when she won the Australian Open last year. It's 26. Thank you. Our tennis experts are in the room tonight. <laughs> I'm treading carefully here. <laughs> and uh, But there she is at 26 years of age, world number one, winning the Australian Open in 2022. No, that was in 22. And between the first one and the, and the second one, I imagine there was many, many moments and times where Ash Barty had to say over and over and over again, yes, I will do this. Yes, I can do this. Yes, we will work this out. Yes. And, and along the way, she would have had many moments of actually also saying, well, I don't know. I'm not sure anymore. I think maybe I'm done. But the Holy Spirit at the start of this year, even as he spoke to me when I went to the Optus store, I believe he would be asking you tonight, will you give Jesus your yes at the start of another year? As you prayed that little prayer, I really sincerely want you to shape my life. I want you to lead me. And it's one thing, isn't it, to, to say this kind of, yes. <laughs> but the implications of that are huge. And they start way down deep inside and they begin to form and work their way out into our life. Discipleship of following Jesus starts as we give him our yes. And in that decision, our heart comes alive and then our whole life begins to be impacted by that one decision Today we're going to have a look at a little little scripture there where Jesus has this encounter with a group of people and he asks them up front because they're all following him and they all want his time and they're all asking for his wisdom and they're all asking for his input because they're seeing what he's doing, they're hearing what he's saying and they're trying to put all the dots together and then he says he lands this question on them. He lands this question on them and the question is simply this. He says, why... Are you calling me Lord? Why are you doing that? So let's read this together. Luke chapter 6, verses uh, 6 to 49. You'll be very familiar with this story, I'm sure. And uh, the first one here we're going to read in the NIV. So I'm just going to read this out to you. Jesus says to him, Why do you call me Lord? Lord, and and do not do what I say. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. And he uses this great little illustration. He says, They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood came and the torrent struck the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice is like the person who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and the destruction was complete. So Jesus is saying, now now you're hanging around me. You're starting to ascribe to me a term that we're going to unpack in a minute, this term called Lord. Why would you do that and not take on board my wisdom? So at the beginning of another year, 
as the Holy Spirit might be saying to us, will you give God your yes for another year? With that comes this other question. Well, with that, God is, Jesus is saying, I'm going to download for you a whole bunch of wisdom, counsel, teaching, guidance, empowerment, grace. And if you ask me, I will answer. But are you going to do what I ask or tell you to do in response to your questions? Have a, let's look at the next slide. This is the message version. This one's a bit more of a paraphrase, but I quite like this one. This is a good. Jesus is saying to the people, why are you so polite with me? It's, it's always saying, yes, sir, yes, that's right, sir. It kind of reminds me of the picture of uh, faulty towers, you know, and there's um, Basil and then there's Manuel. Manuel's running around, yes, Mr. Faulty, yes, Mr. Faulty, yes. It's kind of like, and at the same time, he's got absolutely no clue what Mr. Faulty's on about. It's a bit like that. Jesus is like, why are you being like Manuel to me? Yes, sir, yes, sir. But having no clue. Uh, and never doing the things I tell you. These words that I'm speaking to you, says Jesus, they are not mere additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. Hello. <laughs> We're bent on that in Australia. That's our, whew, Bunnings is making a killing. Uh, homeowner improvements. So Jesus is saying, my words aren't like that. Don't treat my words like I'm self-helping you, giving you little bits of sort of self-improvement. They are foundation words, words to build your life on. If you work the words into your life like you are a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock, and when the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. And when the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards and it was a total loss. Notice that both the smart builder and the dumb builder, they both had to deal with something. What did they have to deal with? Navigating life. Whether you're smart or dumb... Is not the, the, the well, is, is the big point in, in, in Jesus' opinion here. Because the reality is, whether you're smart or dumb, you're going to have to navigate life in all of its challenges and all of its adventure this year. So, if I, I started the year by saying to our church, um, we used a psalm the other day, and, and, uh, where King David was talking all about in Psalm 32, how God says to him, I'll instruct you and teach you and I'll show you the way. My loving presence will be with you. And then he says, don't be like a horse or a mule. So that was our first take home for the year. Hashtag don't be a mule. Okay, that, that was lesson number one at PRV. For, but basically what he was saying is, here's God giving you all the, he's generously pouring out all this wisdom. But the mule is so obstinate and the mule was built to take on loads and loads and loads of weight. 
and, it, and it's like, no, no, I don't need your wisdom. I don't need your help. I can do all this on my own. I can do it. Don't need any help. Thank you very much. Jesus, uh, you know, God revealed that to David and said, David, don't be a mule. That was our hashtag for lesson one of the year. Don't be a mule. Don't be so obstinate. The second hashtag, don't be a dumb builder. That was, that was week two for us this year. Just don't be a dumb builder. Or well, the other side of that coin is be a wise builder. Be a smart builder this year. As you give God your yes, work the words of his wisdom into your daily living. It's not just for chatting around the coffee table and having a great Bible study over, even though that's great fun doing that. It's so that that revelation might be worked into the core of who you are by the power of the Holy Spirit. So VBW, as you get going this year, don't be be on about additions, just adding stuff to your life. No, no, no. With the help of God, let the wisdom of God be worked into the core foundations of who you are and be empowered because you're going to need that because there's going to be all sorts of circumstances, both planned and unplanned, that you're going to have to navigate. Things that are actually within your control and things that are way beyond anyone's control that we're all going to have to navigate. But work the word into the foundations of who you are. So... um, Let's, go to the, uh, let's jump on to the next slide. So what's Jesus getting at here? When he says, why are you calling me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? So this, this, this word Lord, it, it, it's an interesting one. Um, it, it basically, in, in its root meaning, it means supremacy, the supreme one, or the one who has the authority over all other powers type authority. It's, it's the one who um, has this capacity to be uh, over and above. E.g., a police officer stands on the side of the road and puts his hand up and all of a sudden we pull our car over and stop. Why? Because we have given authority to that role in our context to have um, power and influence over us. When the police officer says stop, we stop. If you, any of you have belonged to or families are involved in the armed forces, there's usually chains of structural authority. Uh, officers who hold higher positions and they give these orders and then they seem to flow through this chain and things get done. It mobilizes people and resources and things get done. Why? Because we have given structural authority. Being a school teacher. Are there any school teachers in the room here? Being a school teacher, you have been given an, an invested sense of authority to bring influence to the young lives that are sitting before you every day. You, there's a, you have lordship. You know how we say the term Jesus Christ is Lord? He's, we, that's an, we get to ascribe that to him. That's on our end. Now, he already knows he's Lord. He knows he's the supreme one. He doesn't round, run around calling himself Lord because he knows who he is. He actually says, I'm my dad's son. 
uh, my dad's son. It's we who ascribe that to him. He is Lord. Um, So when Jesus is asking the people around him, why are you calling me this and don't do what I say, he's actually calling them out. He's, he's, He's calling them out. He's revealing their hearts. It's a bit like saying, hey, Jesus, love your words. Love the whole vibe of what's going on around you. I dig the people are getting healed. Oh, yeah, I love the multiplication of food stuff. Loving all of that. Loving all of it. In fact, the stuff you're saying, the words that are coming out of your mouth, it's like, give me a pen. I've got to write that down. That was hot. That was really good, Lord. But please don't ask me to give you that place in my life that you're asking for to be the Lord. That's what Jesus is bringing out. He's saying, why? Why do you call me Lord? But don't do what I say. A bit more on this term Lord. It's a very powerful word because in the context of Jesus' day, he's, he's you know, coming out of the long story of Israel. He's Israel's Messiah. He's a good Jewish man. And, he, and, and, and for the Jew and the Jewish people, uh, this idea of Lord was basically... a. a It was a safe word that they developed when they met God way back in Exodus. And God revealed himself to Moses. He says, I am who I am. And and anyway, they had an understanding that his name was so, so supreme, so holy, so otherly. It was actually too, it was too dangerous to even utter it. And so they came up with this other word, Lord. (laughs) Let's call him Lord because we can say that and survive. So Jesus, is he's understanding that when the the people around him are saying, ascribing to him, Lord, what they're saying is, you're God. You are God. And this is the safest way we can say that. You're God. So for the Jew, they're saying, you're God. And so Jesus is saying, if I am your God, why are you not doing what I'm telling you to do? And then there's um, not just uh, the Hebrew people, but there's all of the pagan people as well. You know, the, the pagan people are the ones that are, well, from the Christian perspective anyway, those that are worshipping other gods, other entities, other idols and all sorts of things. But ultimately though, in this context, the greatest and fastest growing religious cult of the day was the Roman cult, the cult of Caesar. The cult of Caesar. And Caesar would say things like, that nation over there, that I'm going to expand my territory and I'm going to tell my, my troops, go, take that land. And he would say that, the troops would be mobilized, they would go and take that land. And then on the way back from being victorious, there was this person's job and they were called a herald. And their job was to run all the way from the front line right back to Rome and along every village and every port along the way, their job was to yell out these words. Good news, euangelion, euangelion, good news, 
Good news. Caesar is Lord of these new lands. And, and then what would happen is all of the soldiers and all of the guys that went to war over there and they pillaged and ruined these other lands and expanded the interests of Caesar. They took all of the riches of that land and then they would, they would begin sharing the benefits of that to the people on the way. Caesar is Lord. And so that's their understanding. Now Jesus is saying, hang on a minute. <laughs> you guys... Not the Jewish guys, but the other people that are coming into the kingdom of God and meeting Jesus, coming out of the Roman cult of the day. He's saying, you guys, when, when you're calling me Lord, you're, you're, you're now shifting the basis of who you're giving authority in your life to. Because it once was to Caesar, but now you're ascribing it to me. Jesus is Lord. Now, isn't it interesting, you know, the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God has been fully revealed to us in the sending and the ministry, the life, the death, the resurrection and the ascension of his son, Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel. Good news, good news. God has gone to war to expand his interests in his good creation. And he has sent his son to do all that bidding to conquer all of those spiritual entities, powers, political leaders, kings, those who hold power and, and oppress the poor. And he has come to set them free and to give them a new life Forgiven, restored, new human beings, carrying the image of God. And now you are the beneficiaries of a kingdom that you did not, in your, in your own right, go and advance. God did it for you in Jesus. Good news of the gospel of the king of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, when he's there, he's, the people are saying, actually, Caesar's not Lord. You are, Jesus. Now that, <laughs> to do that, <laughs> that's dangerous. It's a bit like today in our context. It's getting more and more dangerous to say crazy stuff like, I believe in Jesus. Like culturally now, you know, the Jesus people, you and me, we're the ones on the fringe. We're actually now being perceived as the pagan world. Because we're not buying into the narratives of culture and, the, and all of the, you know, all of the rigmarole of all the activism that's around right now. We're now the pagans because we don't believe in it because we're choosing to say Jesus is Lord. But anyway, it was not a safe thing to say that Jesus was Lord here in the story of God. So at times this year where you may feel a little unsafe in cultural conversations and contexts to actually say to the people that you're in the room with, well, actually, I think Jesus is God and Jesus is Lord. You're not alone in feeling that sense of um, this, this is full on to make that confession in this context. It's, it's part of our long story. Okay? And yet it's been a story that's continued for umpteen thousand years. But these guys, when they said Jesus is Lord, 
They knew that they were putting at risk their very lives. Let me quickly jump to a story to... um, you may, may, for those of you who may know of Polycarp, he was an, a, um, a disciple of the Apostle John. You know, John the Beloved, God's Beloved, Jesus' Beloved. Um, and Polycarp, he was one of his disciples and he was known for, um, you know, advancing the good news of Jesus in his context. But there's a great lesson to learn from this guy. See, the Roman Empire is in full, full swing. Emperors were hostile. Um, they were militant against anyone who declared that they had faith in anything other than Jesus. And in order to be a normal, everyday citizen, you had to make this confession. And the confession was Kaiser Curios, which translates, Caesar is Lord. And without this confession, you, were out, you became an outcast in society and you were often subject to punishment. Now, Polycarp here on the screen, being a first-hand follower of the Apostle John, he became a prominent teacher of the Jesus faith. Unfortunately, his popularity became, became a high demand for his life. And he insisted, though, on remaining in the city because he was not afraid of what people could do to him. And after being persuaded by his students, he eventually retreated to a place of safety on a farm. But the Romans, they got busy. Caesar's boys went after the local Jesus people and they started to persecute and torture them to figure out where Polycarp was hiding because he's having this influence. And when the Romans finally found him and they arrested him, Polycarp offered them food and a place to stay for the night because on his request that he would just have a few more hours of prayer. And both parties came to an agreement and there was the inevitability still to come. Once arrested, Polycarp was brought into the inner city of the region of Rome and the pro-council pressed him and encouraged him to denounce Jesus and he refused time and time again. You know, this is... While that's going back in, you know, what was it, AD 69 to 155, so more towards the 150 type areas, this is happening. This is also happening around the world today. Just go and have a look online at Open Doors. We have family, we have brothers and sisters all over the world living in persecuted contexts where they are at great risk to say Jesus is their Lord. Um, anyway, Polycarp, he refused to denounce Jesus. He refused time and time again. He was threatened by wild beasts of the arena, and yet he remained steadfast in his confession. Eventually, the Romans begged the question of him, what harm is there in, in declaring that Caesar is Lord? And his response was the catalyst to his impending death. Polycarp reasoned with them, 86 years have I served him, and he never did give me an injury. How can I blaspheme my king and my saviour? And after a series of events, including they tried to burn him alive at the stake and he wouldn't burn. <laughs> can you believe that? That's supernatural. He wouldn't burn. So what they had to do was drive a stake through him. On his farewell, he said, I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour so that in the company of the martyrs, I might share the cup of Christ. Amazing. 
Our story is built on the faith of Polycarp's love for Jesus and everyone in between. This year, you're going to have to navigate stuff. Uh, Let's jump onto the next slide if we can, thanks. This year, you're going to have to navigate stuff. But Jesus, the King, the one whom we're ascribing lordship, he would say to us, I've told you these things so that you might have peace because in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome it. Do the the hard work on the inside. Let the lordship of Christ shape you this year. You have things to walk with him. My encouragement to you is threefold. Soften your heart enough to listen to what Jesus has to say to you about who you are, about what he says he's doing, and about how he wants to use you in his great plan for the kingdom to come into all of the earth. Yield your will to the will of Jesus. You have the determining capacity to either build on the rock or build on the sand. It's your call. Be wise or dumb. It's up to you. It really is. It's up to you. It's your call. Jesus gives you the honourable relationship space for you and for me to make up our mind, our heart and our will on whether we'll give him lordship. He honours us enough to give us the room to make that confession. And then finally, do what he tells you. Obedience really is the key to whether or not we're able to navigate the challenges of the testing moments that will come our way this year. Jesus is the ultimate influencer. He is the one that rules and reigns above all else. Put into daily practice, work into your life the wisdom and the words and the ways of Jesus and his kingdom into your marriages, into your workplace relationships, into the way you relate to money, in the way that you understand yourself, your identity, your sexuality and your purpose in this world. Work the words of the wisdom of God into who you are as you say, yes, Lord. Last slide. Thanks, Dan. I think it was Paul said it in the book of Romans in Romans 10. This this is what comes out of the mouth of a wise builder. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's That's what comes out of the mouth of a wise builder. Jesus is Lord. So we're going to just finish there, but at the same time what we're doing is we're starting the year. And, and my question to you is the question of Jesus. Why do you call him Lord? And now, you know, the invitation is make a good confession. Do you want to confess you, that Jesus has lordship in your life? And if you would like to do that, why don't you just stand with me right now and we'll pray together. If you want to confess that Jesus is Lord of your life, why don't you just stand up right now where you are and we're going to pray together. As the start of a year. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. So why don't we just start with a loud confession, all of us, just at the one time, you know, it's a simple word. Jesus is Lord. Father, thank you for this wonderful confession. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would fill every heart. You would fill every life right now. You would work the words of your wisdom into the core of each and every one of us who has just made that great confession that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I pray now that this year, Lord, you would save us from being dumb builders and that you would empower us to be wise builders, good builders, builders who have firm foundation for the currents and the torrents that will come across our path this year. And so I, I, I bless you, VBW, and every individual that has just stood up now and made that good confession. I bless you in that, in the name of Jesus, to live the kingdom life with Jesus as Lord. Now, what I'd like you to do is just in this moment is open your eyes and look around you in the room at all of the people who have made this confession and look them in the eyes because one of the things that Paul says is that I am not ashamed of the gospel of the good news of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. And if there's one thing that this world wants to do is shame us, And so we break the power of that shame by just acknowledging the good confession that we have made tonight. We see it. I see it in you. Yes. What's your name? Reuben, I see the good confession that you have made tonight with Jesus as your Lord. Every time you see the opportunity to look at each other in the eye this year, do it and encourage each other by saying, I see this good confession in you that Jesus is Lord.